0: So tonight, we finish up with the period Sinai, okay? So I want you to take out your journal, and I want, I'm going to give you just a few minutes to, to do C-A-S-K-E-T, and for you to write what each of those letters stand for, okay? I'm going to give you a few minutes from memory, write that in your journal, and then we'll share and if you and if you want to go on and do empty as well, bonus points. C A S K E T E M P T Y. All right. Are y'all ready? What what does C, what period of the redemptive plan? Okay, R. I mean A. Okay. S. K. E. T. Okay. E.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: M. Yep. P. Pentecost. Yep. T. Teaching. And Y. Yet to come. Very good. I wonder if my microphone needs to be turned down. Do you think that's. All right. If it makes that noise one more time, we're going to turn it down. Okay, we'll turn it down if it does it one more time. Really? Well, I didn't know that. Well, I'm going to take it off then. But my necklace is so cute. It is very,
1: very nice necklace.
0: Did everybody see it before we take it off? <laughs>
1: no,
0: no, it's like a weapon as well. Um, okay. All right, we have one more little project that I want you to do before we get started. On the table, you're going to see a long piece of paper. And you'll see some Sharpies. You can use the Sharpies or you can use your, a pen. It doesn't matter. But here's what I want you to do. I want you using all of the creativity you want to or no creativity. In other words, there's no right way to do this. This is just for you. But I want you to somehow write out what... What the different events of the redemptive history is. So you might you might do the events. You might you definitely want to start with creation. So if I were doing it, I might do a time. I might do a line, and I might have creation, and then I might have over here, um, you know, um, fulfillment of the promised land, because that's where we are tonight. And then what I want you to do is I want you to fill in. Now, you might fill in with events. You might fill in with key characters. You might fill in with scripture. Just from, from, you could start from memory, and then you can cheat by looking at your timeline or your curriculum or the scriptures. But I want to give you 10 minutes. This is part of your adult learning to review what you've learned about the redemptive history. This, again, is for you. And then after you have done that, then we. if anyone wants to share then we'll share. Any questions? Hello? Oh, the other thing is that is on your table, you'll see a survey. At some point tonight, if you're willing to answer the survey, it just has four simple questions. It's completely anonymous, or you can put your name either way, and I'll have a little box up front, and you can turn it in by the end of the evening. It's just to help us to continue improving the academy experience um does anybody want to share do y'all need a few more minutes if you need a few more minutes like just do a, a little nod a, little, a few more minutes okay i'll give you just a few more minutes mm-hmm. okay all right does anybody want to share would anybody like to share okay dave you want to you want to come up here in the front use this microphone uh-oh i hope this doesn't cause feedback for these both to be on at the same time okay we'll find out, we'll find out.
1: It's like a mic drop that's right uh, how did you want me to share this however you
0: want to yeah
1: all right can everybody see this
0: just describe it.
1: All right. Well, what I did was I just drew, like, a picture here. So I got the – this is like an earth with Adam and Eve on it. And here's the tree with the fruit. And then we have Abraham and Sarah here with the <laughs> stars getting the promise. And then we have uh, Joseph here in the, with the Nile River and the um, pyramids in Egypt. And then we've got the road going out of Egypt with Moses leading the people to the Red Sea. The Exodus, he's got a staff right here, can't see that. And then we've got the golden calf over here with the Ten Commandments in the mountains and then heading out into the wilderness. Here's a cactus, in case you can't see that. And then we get the fire and the cloud uh, leading the people out to somewhere, but we don't know where they're going yet because we hadn't gotten to the next. You haven't had
0: the lesson tonight. Haven't
1: gotten to the next lesson.
0: Amazing job, way to go, that was amazing. One more one more person want to share come on one more only one more okay jenna thank you good job so good job thank y'all so much um yeah awesome job and we will continue learning over the next session about this redemptive story that God is telling. Yes, Dave? Yeah, your pen's here. Yeah, sorry. It does look like a special one. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, hopefully by the end of this course, you will be able to verbalize, like, what this redemptive story is. And, and, And it will be so ingrained that as you talk to people, you'll be able to share with them this redemptive plan that God has for humanity. Um, So let's get started tonight with our last lesson of session one, Onward Under Joshua. So God is making the Israelites into a great nation, and we see that begin in Genesis 12. Um, It says, I will make you a great nation. But what is needed to become a nation? Well, the first thing you need is a people, right? You have to have people. And we saw God take a family, grow them into a tribe. They went into into Egypt, became enslaved. But during that time, they multiplied, they grew. So that when Moses led them out of Exodus, they were in the hundred thousands. So they went from a family to a tribe to to a large amount of people that could be a nation. So we, we need a people, check, we've got a people. A nation needs laws and customs. And we see that God in um, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, he established a law. He established customs for the people. So check, we've got that. His holy people, his chosen people, who were, um, who are to represent him to the world, they need to know how to live in relationship to God. They need to know how, how can an, an ungodly people dwell with a holy God. So God, what did he do? He created a sacrificial system. And of course, we know that the tabernacle is the place where he dwelt with the people. So they need instruction on worship. They need instruction on how to relate Properly to God so we see that in Leviticus check so now we're at a point where there's one thing missing what is missing for them to become a great nation the land land is missing so that's what we're going to talk about tonight so this is how God chose to bring humanity redemption this family becomes a tribe becomes a a nation and this is the nation that the Messiah will come from So our bottom line tonight, God fulfills his promise of land to his people and calls them to be a settled people living in covenant loyalty, choosing life and blessing. God fulfills his promise of land to his people and calls them to be a settled people living in covenant loyalty, choosing life and blessing. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit through Deuteronomy, a little bit about the law. Talk about Joshua and why the Canaanites couldn't remain in the promised land. And then we're going to, we may not have time to do this, but hopefully we can leave with a challenge to remember God's faithfulness. So here the people are. they're, They're at the promised land, ready to enter the promised land, right? The Ark of the Covenant is going ahead of them, and they're becoming a settled people. So let's talk about Deuteronomy for just a moment. It means second law. So Moses is at the end of his life. He's had 40 years wandering in the desert to reflect on what God has done, to reflect on the law that God has given them. And now he's going to speak his last words to them before he dies. The book of Numbers, by the way, represents about 38 years. And the book of Deuteronomy is basically like one day. It's one really long speech from Moses to the people. So who is Moses speaking to? He's speaking to the children of the generation that received the law at Mount Sinai, but who didn't have faith to enter the promised land. Remember when they sent the spies, they came back, Joshua and Caleb gave good reports that we can do this, we can trust God, he'll, he'll fight our battle for us, but these are the adults that didn't believe, that didn't trust God, and they were punished through the 40 years of wandering. That generation has all died, and now Moses is speaking to their children, to the new generation. So a journey that should have taken 11 days took 40 years. So Moses is communicating the law to this younger generation, laws that are in the context of being a settled people. So these laws are meant to create a people that stand out amongst the nation. Deuteronomy 4, 5-7 to says, Look, I now teach you these decrees and regulations just as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Obey them completely, and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will ex- exclaim how wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteous and fair as this body of instructions that I am giving you today. So the nations around them um, are are very evil, very, very bad, very evil. And as they follow God and obey, obey God, they are a distinct people, a very distinct people. So today, currently, you know, this having this a nation that is God's chosen people. It's it, for me. It's kind of a different concept um, because, like, if I think of America, like we're not a nation that's trying to reflect God to the world. We're not. We're not. A, we're not a Christian nation. You know, um, what reflects God to the world today is the church. That is the collective people that we're a part of. Um, so it's 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 different today we're, we're reflecting God as a people called the church not as a nation but you know the same for the church as we obey as we follow God as we are a distinct people we are a witness for him we are a testimony to his faithfulness but instead of obeying the law from our own power thankfully we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit and we walk in obedience through the Spirit now, just to remind you, the Israelites are living in pretty close proximity. I mean, there, there are lots of them, but they're all living in a camp around the tabernacle. But they are about to become a people more scattered. This is, these are the tribes and the land that they are allotted. So they go from living in a camp... Around the tabernacle to being pretty spread out. Um, and so you can see the reason why Moses needs to recommunicate the law to them before they go into the promised land and they are given their land allotments. So I'm going to actually skip a little bit through the laws. I was going to talk a little more about the laws, but I'll just say this um, the book of Deuteronomy is recommunicating the law. Many of these laws are about how to worship. in in a covenant relationship with God. They're also um, helping them learn how to live in community with each other. So a lot of them are about interpersonal relationships as well. One thing I do want to take a little bit of time to talk about, though, um, because the ancient Near East culture is just so different. So as you're reading the book of Deuteronomy, some of these laws are really hard for us to understand the purpose of, right? I mean, some of them are about their hairstyles. Um, I think one of them I read about, you know, it's like you're, you're not supposed to cut your hair above your forehead. And, of course, the purpose in that is that that is how the other cultures have their hair and they represent some kind of a religious, um, uh, it's associated with a, with a religious practice. So some of these laws are, are confusing to us. And it really, it really kind of boils down to the fact that this is a very different culture than we understand, that we're used to. So I want to talk a little bit about Bible interpretation really quickly. Um, our scripture course that we do here, this is something that um, we kind of teach our students about. Um, it's kind of, an, an they call it an interpretive journey. This is from the book Journey into the Word of God. And so number one, you'll see this is the original, um, like the original audience. This is, so you, you know, you have to think about the culture in that time. You have to think about, you know, this is a very different culture than our own. Um, And so that's the first thing you want to do in your Bible interpretation. You want to think about what is the original audience? Who's the original audience? You know, I'm not reading these, I'm not reading these laws in Deuteronomy as if they're written to a 21st century American. You know, I'm reading these, trying to understand the original audience, the culture. And then number two, you'll see that it's it's a river. And basically that represents kind of how uh, wide our culture is from that original culture. And so you're looking at things like the culture, looking at things like language. You know, um, if you were to... Um, you know, if, if hundreds of years from now someone looked back at one of our newspapers and it said, like, Georgia, di- Georgia killed TCU in the national championship game. You know, it might be like, what? Who? You know? But, of course, we understand what, what that means. It means they beat them in a football game. So language can be such an obstacle for us understanding um, you know, time, the situation. So as we're interpreting the scripture, we have to remember that. We have to remember that. Um, And then number three is called the principalizing bridge. And what that means is what are the theological principles that carry from that culture and from that original writing to our current culture, you know? And then the fourth thing you'll see, it says it's got a cross and it says you are here. You have to look at where we are in the redemptive story as well after the work of Christ. You have to kind of, you know, interpret understanding the finished work of Christ. And then lastly, you know, you see number five. It's like, what is the life application for me today in my town where I'm, where I am? So I did want us just to take a few minutes, um, just five minutes to talk around your table. So I want the two words that we're talking about is, if we interpret the Old Testament eisegetically, which means we're injecting our own culture and thought into the passage, instead of exegetically, which means we're keeping in mind the original culture, the original audience, and the author's purpose in writing, what happens if we interpret those two different ways? Just kind of discuss that. And then the second thing is, how does understanding where we are in the redemptive story and the finished work of Christ affect your Bible interpretation, and how does it help you understand the Old Testament? So just five minutes to just talk a little bit about Bible interpretation. Okay, let's keep going.
1: <clears throat>
0: um, some of the laws that we looked at... Yeah, Sorry. We're like, I'm behind tonight. I apologize. Because um, we want to answer these awesome questions you guys submitted. So I'm trying to, like, hurry, hurry through. Um, some of the laws that we read in Genesis 15, I think. I mean, Deuteronomy 15 um, were in order to create a flourishing community where there wasn't poverty. So it's about, you know, it's about... Loving people. Is there anything that you learned um, that was one of your homework questions that you wanted to share that you learned from um, Deuteronomy 15 about God's heart for the vulnerable and what he put into place to care for people in the community? Anything stand out that you want to mention? Dave? Dave? Yeah, Jubilee. hmm But the and that in Yeah, interesting. That is interesting.
1: hmm And that still transfers over today. Like you take out a credit card seven years later it's gone.
0: It is? <laughs> <laughs> well no,
1: like if you stop paying it, yeah, you, you it falls off the credit. Report. Oh, I see, I see what you're
0: saying. No, I see what you're saying. Seven, seven year credit report, seven years. Yeah, I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: The seventh year, yeah. You still owe the money, though. Yeah. Brian? I think
1: it's really interesting that is interested in justice economically. Mm
0: Good. Very good. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I want to read. Oh, go ahead, Daniel. Yeah. Seven years. Was
1: that called the year of Jubilee? Is that what the year of Jubilee is?
0: Is the year of Jubilee? Uh, I know one thing is is for the land. I'm not sure. What, it, what is it, Warren? You Say yeah. so that. Yeah, you let your land rest on the seventh year. The the year? the fifth year? Fiftieth 50th. 50th year was the cancel oh fiftieth year cancellation 50th of all this. Yeah, 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 the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mary Jo? I just how all of the rules about Yeah, taking care of one another. Yeah, it's really beautiful, and and this is not how the people around them behaved. So it really they really did stand out as having a God that cared and loved them. Um, let's end our discussion of Deuteronomy, but I do want to read. Um, you know, he uh, Moses challenges us to choose life. Let me just read a little bit here in Deuteronomy 30. This is starting at verse 11. This command I'm giving you today, it's not too difficult for you, and it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, Who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, Who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey? Know the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. And then he goes on to say, of course, if your hearts turn away and if you worship other gods, then I warn you that you will certainly be destroyed. Um, So he's challenging them to choose life, choose to obey, choose to love God. Um, And then at the very end of chapter 30, it says, and if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, And we say goodbye to Moses, a great leader. And the scripture actually says there will never be another leader for Israel like Moses. And I wish we had time to just pause and share all of the things that we've learned about Moses. That might be something you want to do later, um, just to really think about the great leader that he was. Um, And then the new leader, Joshua. So we're moving into the book of Joshua. Um, Joshua 1, to 1-3 After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant And he said, Moses, my servant is dead Therefore the time has come for you to lead these people The Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them I promise you what I promised Moses Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you and one of your homework questions says, what might Joshua be feeling right now? What might Joshua be feeling right now? Excitement. Excitement! Finally going into the promised land. He's one of the ones who, who felt, who knew that they could trust God with it 40 years before, right? Finally, we're going to watch God give us this land he's promised. Joshua's probably heard about this land his whole life. That God has promised to his people. Anything else Joshua may be feeling? Why me? Why me? A sense, did, mm, a sense of relief. Some I would I would think a little bit of intimidation for sure. Can you imagine following Moses as a leader? Woo we think we know what anxiety is. <laughs> um Well, and then and God, you know, reassures him in Joshua one. That's also part of that homework question. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. three Three times he told him be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What kind of comfort? The Lord God is with you wherever you go. He's with us too. He is with us wherever we go. Um and their support. Yeah, that's a good point. The people were. They were like, "We're going to follow you too." We followed Moses. We're going to follow you. They were behind him. Um, okay, I'm going to have to hurry. Okay, let me just say this. God asked Joshua to do two things, three things in Deuteronomy seven one to five destroy all the inhabitants of the land of Canaan do not marry them destroy their gods and do not worship them so there are 7 nations that they're to defeat now they're not to defeat all the people they're only to defeat the ones that are in the on the land that has been promised to them so why might it have been important that none of these people remain in the land that the Israelites have been given why might that be important? Well, they kind of obeyed it. They failed a little. What? Yeah. They would turn the children would, away from
1: um, following yeah.
0: yeah, they would turn them away from following God. And what happens if the Israelites go into the land and integrate with all the people groups and are no longer a nation? Now we now we don't have a people that the Messiah will come from. Um, here's a list of all the sins that God doesn't want them to imitate that the people in that area participate in. This is from Leviticus 18 and 19. Idolatry, murder, incest, adultery, fornication, fornication, homosexuality, bestiality, prostitution, necromancy, fortune-telling, witchcraft, drinking blood, consulting mediums, child sacrifice, oppression of the poor, mistreatment of refugees, legal injustice, disrespect of elders, and cursing of parents. So the Canaanites have to be driven out of the land. They have to be defeated. And there are a few things I want to point out to you, because I think if you're like me, my modern mind, my Western mind... You know, I wonder, why did God have to do it this way? Why did he have to drive people out of a land that they were inhabiting? But I want to remind you of a few things. First of all, this is God's land. Um, He's chosen to give this land to the Israelites. This is the promised inheritance that they've heard about their whole lives. And, you know, it it really just boils down to the fact that we're the creatures and he's God. And we don't know what's best. We're not God. We, we, don't, we don't know more than God. So I just have to remind myself of that. Uh, number two, the people in the land cannot remain there because of their idolatrous practices. It will cause the Israelites to turn away from God. And in fact, they do later on because not everyone was eliminated from the land. Um, but they can't coexist. Number three, the invasion of Canaan is a specific action at a specific point for a specific theological purpose. Okay? Okay. So this is an acceptable action at this time because God commands it. It's a specific action at a specific point for a specific theological purpose. And fourthly, this is God's divine judgment on the Canaanites. God is bringing judgment to the Canaanites. He is removing an evil, dark, idolatrous culture from the promised land. And you guys know just thinking about the Ten Commandments, knowing that the first one is do not have any gods before me. Idolatry is highly, highly offensive to God. And we also see um, in Genesis, let's look, look back at this verse, Genesis 15, 13 to 16. It says, then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. Where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. And as for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. So, this is what God is saying to Abram. And then he says, After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. So, God planned to bring judgment to the Amorites in the future. When their sin was at a certain level, and that time has now arrived, um, we also see, by the way, that foreigners are invited to trust in the one true God. We look at, we see Rahab. We read about her, um, and if you read Matthew one, the genealogy, we see that she's part of the genealogy of Christ. So that's really cool. I'm going to read this, and then we're gonna, we're gonna move on to have Warren come up. Um, This is a book, actually, that Warren told me about. uh, Is God a Moral Monster? It says, God's overarching goal was to bring blessing and salvation to all the nations, including the Canaanites, through Abraham. The covenant God made with Abraham is unique in its sweeping, outside-oriented, universally directed nature. It is unlike any other religious movement. Yet for a specific, relatively short and strategic period, God sought to establish Israel in the land with a view to fulfilling this long-term global plan of redemption. God would simultaneously punish a wicked people ripe for judgment. Not doing so would have erased humankind's only hope for redemption. So they conquered the seven nations with God as their commander, and then they had peace and then Joshua and Eleazar died. And at the end, Joshua says, The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived them, those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. Of course, we know that the Judges, the book of Judges is next, and this is the end of the Sinai period. And the, the, the Judges is a cycle, right? The Israelites turn to idols. God raises up a judge, they turn back to him, they're blessed, and then the cycle repeats itself for about 450 years. And then, of course, when you return, we'll be going into the kingdom. We'll be going into the period of the kings.